It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Beginning of the NFL season, fired up, good game. Some injury questions going in. Ugh, the Chiefs, though. Guess you got to root for uh, the big galoot, the big galoot, Dan Campbell and the Lions. Not so much a Cinderella story anymore. And then we got the full slate of NFL on Sunday into Monday. College football coming up as well. Big Thursday show on the way. Damon is here in the Finley Toyota Studios. It's Cofield. Adam Candy is with us. What's up, buddy? Oh, I'm ready for some football. Not that you asked, but I'm ready. Are you? Are you ready for some football chatter? And can we come off as uh, masculine and toxic by saying that wives should have no say publicly about NFL football? Can we do that? Don't ask for my approval. You're out there. Go for it. did Did I frame that a little inaccurately, though? Well... I think that we can say certain things generally, but then we can talk about other people very specifically who it's not well, their first foray into this arena. Let's tie it to really anyone who's in the, the public eye or public forum, right? Um, I don't know what your uh, situation is now with a relationship, but if you often just smashed me, smashed them on, went after Bischoff, you're telling your girlfriend, your wife, all your complaints at work, and then she's up there at like Candy Sweetie, you know, one, two, three on Twitter. And she's like, oh, well, Adam says this, Adam says that about the radio station or about a legal sports report now. Are you all cool with that? Okay, first of all, um, <laughs> she's not on Twitter, but the SO is now going to have Candy Sweetie one, two, three. I'm going to make sure of that by the end of the day. <laughs> Um, she is. No, all, by the way, she not. is also the SO. My significant other is also barely on social media. She grew very tired of uh-huh. Facebook. She does IG. She's all over that. Um, but I don't think that she would think it wise to go and discuss everything that I whine about with the workplace. It's just a little bit weird. And what we're setting up here is Matt Stafford now has to deal with a situation where Kelly, his wife, who we've heard from before. Remember her talking about being in a prison, which uh, turned out in the Detroit area to be uh, about a 7,000-square-foot mansion. She was talking about being in a prison uh, in Michigan because I think she was mad at the governor for locking things down during COVID. Um, We've heard from her before, but she was on her podcast, which, wonderful idea. And the way I read it, she basically quoted Matt Stafford about the young players on the Rams. A little bit weird. You know, what I can't really totally understand here. Steve is what's anyone gaining from this mm-hmm. right like wh- I mean she already has her place in the sphere such as it is right like we know who Kelly Stafford is it's not new if she wants to have a, a place that makes her a quasi celebrity well congrats you already have it so what good are you doing Matthew Stafford to go out there and air his I don't even call it dirty laundry about troubles connecting in the locker room because He's a 35-year-old man trying to talk to college grads. Right. Like, in a club, we call that creepy. Uh, I'm going to read through them, but as I was reading them earlier, I was kind of thinking the same thing. I'm like, okay, the old guy on the team is shaking his fist at the sun, saying that guys don't talk to each other face-to-face and interact in the locker room like they used to. Okay, grandma and grandpa. Is that a dig on those players? It's sort of a... I actually think it's more of an indictment that 
old man Stafford is coming home and complaining about it. Like, bro, nut up, adjust a little bit, evolve, morph. It's your job as a leader of the team to connect with the young guys. It's not, ah, these phones, gee damn it. Meet them where they are, buddy. Meet them where they are. When you see them on their phones, <laughs> slide into their DMs. Sure. In their DMs be like, hey, meet you, I'll meet you for a snack in the training room. Uh, Damon and I text all all the time during the show. We could turn off the mics and just discuss whatever we need to or talk during breaks, but I just like to text them. It's just I, I know that maybe that, that's the area he's more comfortable in. Damon, when you read this, uh, you know, you're not 21, like the, the guys he's referencing, 22, just getting into the NFL. You are a 20-something. When you read this, that the 35-year-old is like, these kids, man, they don't communicate like we used to. He's 100% right. Oh! <laughs> boy, we have, we have added an old soul. Candy, I don't know if you know this because you're not on with us uh, all the time. You're doing a lot of the press box. But this guy sends over a lot of old guy topics. Like, I, I really feel a lot of pressure to squeeze baseball into the show. Uh, today's good because I know you're here, but tomorrow, every day with the baseball. I sent over that Marlins topic just to see if it would make it onto the show. <laughs> it, it, you know what's funny? When I was doing the rundown, it was in, and then it got bumped for a couple of things I liked a little better. But uh, are you serious? The young players have to step up to the old guy? Not step up to him, but he's not wrong about the communication being different. I don't agree with people calling him sir. I mean, come on, he's still a peer. He's still, you know, a coworker on your same level. But – He's right, man. Communication is just different these days with these kids. Mm. Uh, so, Kelly Stafford, the uh, wife of, I almost said Lions QB, Rams QB, Matt Stafford, she said it's kind of crazy. So, Matthew's been in the league for a long time. He's like, quote, which, by the way, she keeps saying he's like this. Like, she's directly quoting him. Like, it's one thing. Who is it? Miko Grimes, where Miko would just say, I mean, I don't – I'm guessing that her husband – wasn't throwing out the anti-Semitic stuff. I hope not that she was echoing. But at least she could be like, well, maybe Miko's just kind of going off on her own and making statements. Kelly Stafford is like, quote-unquote, this is what Matt says, the difference in the locker room has changed so significantly. Uh, you know, She said they have a lot of rookies on their team this year. They're very young. But he's like, quote, uh, I feel like I can't connect. Because in the old days, you come out of practice, you'd shower. People would be playing cards. People would be interacting. Who knows what they're doing, but they're doing something together. They're playing ping pong. Um, they have a tournament going on. At least they're talking. Now they get done with practice, get done with meetings during training camp, and they go straight to their phones. Like no one looks up from their phones. Nothing better than being the old person wagging your finger and then being like, 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 like. So there you go. Now Kelly Stafford has Matt in a little bit of a pickle once again. And I guess Matt spoke very politically today, Candy, right, saying, uh, not really a big deal, just sort of try to pull a Josh McDaniels on the whole sitch? Well, my favorite part of the whole thing was him trying to make a big joke about saying he wanted to bring a newspaper out there to carry that in and put some glasses on and make himself out to be an old guy, but he couldn't even find a newspaper anymore. Like, It's kind of a good joke. It's kind of a pointed joke for the newspaper people to show up, right? I know. You guys are going to lose your jobs! That's not Matt Stafford, though, so he did it more subtly. That wasn't Matt Stafford? I thought that was actually uh, audio that we had gotten from the Vast Sound crew. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) No, uh, clearly Matt Stafford tried to make a joke out of it and make make light of the whole thing, and and that's the smartest thing that he could have done in the end. But my question would be this. If we were to watch Kelly Stafford with a, uh, a creepy old guy looking through the window camera for a week, 
how often would she be on her phone? Oh my God! I'm, I'm you know what? A great thing to do here forward because she's a big presence at the games is to during the games where she's supposed to be fixated on Matthew. How often is she on that phone? Just curious. Yeah. You know, the other thing is, is it really a young person issue being on your phone a lot? I mean, I I see the joke all the time now on social media that uh, you'll have a couple that argues and debates for 15 minutes on what to watch together on whatever, Netflix. And then five minutes later, they're just showing each other TikToks. Right? That people just, they, they pick out a show to watch. Let's bond a little bit. Around some TV, and then they just sit there on their phone scrolling. So, and that's not that's not a twenty something issue. I I actually, I'll give you another one. At restaurants, I think the worst offenders of phone rings. Hello, yeah, we're at a restaurant right now. Yeah, I got the meatloaf, and it's like seventy four year old guy. And then meanwhile, those are the same people who will be like, "You kids, I mean, you're not you're not talking to each other. You're just sitting there on your phones." Like, okay, well, but you you guys, we're, we are all freaking. Addicted to these phones. Ma, the meatloaf. Yes. Ma, the meatloaf. <laughs> the meatloaf. All right. So we got some chemistry issue uh, issues on the Rams. Damon, I feel like you sent over an old video. Was this a video of Max Crosby annihilating Michael Mayer at practice from a while back? Or was this recent? Uh, since I'm not on the Raiders beat anymore, it's new to me. Uh, I think it was. They made a big deal about it about three weeks ago. But you sent over you sent over a joke, saying that look, Max is a jerk, just like Patrick Mahomes said. You don't really believe that because he basically raked a rookie over the coals. I'm going to say something. This is a valuable rookie. This guy's the starting tight end. Okay. I'm going to take it there. Okay. All he right. could have took him out for the season. Okay. Horsing around like that, there's no need for it. What if he would have killed him? Candy, what did you think of uh, the video that was pictured there? But more importantly, the the fisticuffs, the brawls, the uh, trying to get into Cam Akers' head, uh, some of the action by Crosby in the preseason. I, I didn't love that he took it upon his own to try to get the Raiders all fired up, but I do understand how he does things and that a lot of it is by example, and if that means going 1,000 miles an hour against his own team and other teams, then that's his leadership style. As for the... Michael Mayer video, I have two words in response to that. Weight room. You don't want to get <laughs> shoved in the ground like that? Yeah. Weight room. Because you just basically saw Max Crosby pick up Michael Mayer and throw him backward. So, okay, cool. Good for you. Uh, as for the rest of it, look, that's pretty much how he has made his bones in the NFL. He's a fourth-round pick who has scrapped for everything. And what do we hear him praised for all the time? Oh, man, the motor never stops. Oh, man, he's always going at 100 miles an hour. So what, you want him to turn it off now? No, he's not going to turn it off. Like, it, it's who he is. This team needs an edge, quite honestly, because, you know, the only edge that it has right now is uh, from, from a guy who's at his home having people show up to the door. So to open the NFL season tonight, we're talking about leadership themes. So... One, you hear about Max Crosby, who does a lot of it by example. Just set the example, play at 1,000 miles an hour at all times, follow or look like a fool, or I'm going to embarrass you. Uh, we've got Matt Stafford, instead of just bridging the gap as the veteran guy, and you're the quarterback, so there are times you got to step up as a leader, like all the time. Uh, instead of bridging the gap between the young guys, he goes home and he's complaining to his wife. And then 
There is Tommy. Tom Brady, who just can't turn off those wonderful leadership skills. I think I'm taking the story a different direction than you wanted to go. Where did you want to go with Tom Brady has signed up with Delta as essentially a leadership consultant? A strategic advisor, if you will. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I mean, look, I'll, I'll take the cheap route first because I'll, I'll always take, unlike you, Cofield, I'll always <laughs> take the cheap yeah, yeah, yeah. when it's offered to me. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, the cheap route first is to say you're bringing in a world-recognized expert in air pressure. Right, like Tom Brady knows plenty about dealing with air pressure, and so naturally wow. he's the guy to come in and work with Delta. It makes sense. Uh, but I, I will say beyond that that the the most ridiculous quote that I think I saw with the whole thing was, you know, a Delta a Delta representative was questioned and saying like, "Oh, is he going to be a spokesperson? Right? Is he going to be your new uh, spokesperson?" That makes sense, right? Tom Brady pitched for Delta, flew around all these years. Sure. And uh, n- the exact quote from the spokesperson was, "Oh no, no." He, the, no, he's he's going to be a part of things. He's going to come into the company. Okay. Hmm. All right. Well. Awkward. Yeah. Freezing. Yes. A little bit weird. A little bit weird. I don't want him talking about this company that way. Uh, or whoever it was, he or she. Um, Brady went on with uh, the CEO, the COO, whoever it was, on Squawk Box. And the boss introduced the concept that Brady is filling, which I actually am fascinated by. Um, then Brady tried to back it up. He wasn't great at it, but listen to both of these guys talk about his new gig, which, which I am calling a leadership consultant. He's going to be talking to our people about greatness, about resilience, about excellence, about performance in a team sport. He played the greatest, with the greatest teams in the world. I think we run the greatest team in the airline space in the world, and putting our two brands together, magic's going to happen. What, what did you think, Tom, when he approached you about this? Well, I think getting to know Ed and the type of leader that he is. Uh, he has unbelievable command, uh, incredible work ethic, and I think his vision and leadership over a long period of time has elevated the, the brand to, incredible, uh, to an incredible place. So very fortunate to join the team and working with all the employees. and you know, continue to help inspire people to, you know, grow great communities and, and teams of people and companies. And uh, I've been very fortunate over the years to be a part of a lot of those. And I think in this next chapter of my life to continue to do things like that is really, you know, stimulates my own personal growth in a lot of ways. And Okay. Word salad or actually mean something? That salad needs dressing, dude. Like, <laughs> like, like, there's, there's, what does that tell? What does that tell us about anything? Like, can you imagine some group of Delta execs sitting there in Atlanta? Yeah. Like, everybody's flown in across the country on a red eye, and we're gonna get the big rah-rah speech, and in walks Tom Brady talking about uh, the best way to beat Russell Wilson. Like, I, I don't know, man. Uh, I, a I, I actually think the concept is brilliant, and I think it's been used. I think there are motivational speakers who are very successful bosses in other areas. There are. Plenty of athletes who've made the transition and give speeches like this. Now, as a gig with a company, I haven't heard of that. I'm sure it exists. But when you think about it, how applicable is leadership and stick and the ability to overcome adversity and bring other people with you? Can that actually work as Tom Brady is doing, I don't know, seminars with 40,000 people? Online, whatever, it could be hundreds in different meetings. 
I actually think it could work. I haven't seen it work. I'll give you an example, right? Here at Lotus, when TJ Otzelberger got the job as the Run Rebels coach, Otz, at the behest of DRF, did sort of a, a tour uh, around Las Vegas, a barnstorming tour. Hey, this is who Otz is. Buy tickets. This is what I do. This is our work ethic. These are the goals. And he actually came into uh, Lotus one morning, and we all met about 8 o'clock. There were some programming people, but it was a lot of salespeople. And I will tell you, it took like three minutes, and I looked around the room, and almost no one was paying attention. And meanwhile, I was like fixated on like, I love this. This is great. Because he uttered one of the great lines, which is, you will not play with us unless you can meet our work capacity. And maybe at that point is when everyone else in the room is like, I'm out. Um, but it's kind of a coaching thing. Like, hey, we have a certain level we're at from a work ethic standpoint. You know, and rules. And if you can't meet it, you're going to go bye-bye. And if you remember very early on, uh, Joel Ntambwe, who has gone on to play some professional basketball, and his brother uh, is playing in the uh, National Basketball Association, a little more talented guy. But um, around that time, I think they told Ntambwe, hey, you know what, it's not – we heard you, you know, you're, you're a guy who's not really super timely with showing up. Like, that's not going to work here. Uh, you're probably not going to meet our work capacity. Um, so as an example, like, he came in, and it didn't seem like a lot of people wanted to be lectured, led by someone outside the industry. So I think that's Brady's challenge. Uh, and maybe I'm taking this, like, way too literally and hardcore. And may, You're right. Maybe it is, hey, we gave him a title. He's going to do a bunch of endorsements. He'll speak to our employees two times, and here's $4 million. You know, the, the biggest thing about it to me when you talk about it that way is that, you know, they don't want to call it a partnership for some reason. I don't know. Maybe Brady doesn't want to be look like a casino greeter. Like, right. Right. Like maybe Brady <laughs> just wants to look like he's positioning himself for something new in his career. He's like already he doing he's already doing the the, the, the the rental car thing with the let's go. He's already doing that. What's it? It's the same business. Or he doesn't want to. Be, he doesn't want to be blamed when there's some uh, disaster in the sky on video where a flight attendant's like, "Hey, you know what? Uh, we're going to take off in a second here. I know there's vomit on the seat, but you're going to sit on the vomit, or else we're going to go get an air marshal." Which, by the way, did just happen on an airline. People uh, are pooping on planes. The flight attendants have it hard enough. Oh, I know they have it tough. But that that example, we we actually never got that on the air. It was uh, I think it was in Air Canada, and there was some vomit on the seat. They were about to take off, and the passengers like, "Yeah, I don't think I want to sit and vomit." Do not be truculent. We will throw you off the plate. It's vomit. I just don't want to sit in the vomit. Get out! Like, okay. So maybe Brady can sort of soften that sort of interaction. Soften the vomit. Yes. That's pretty much like that. That's going to be the. Are are you all, by the way, are you all getting a good peek into how Cofield and Company operates? (laughs) You you absolutely should be peeling back the curtain right now and realizing that, like, the standard is the standard. I, every single I, day. You know yep. Every day. Yep. Damon has it on a t-shirt now. <laughs> the standard is the standard. Cofield and company will meet the work capacity oh. of Steve Cofield every day. I freaking loved that speech by TJ Otzelberger, uh, the work capacity speech. I'm like, yes, this is great. I hope everyone gets this. And then the more I was around him, I was like, Wow, this guy is out there. His work capacity is way beyond mine. Chill, bruh. What's up? It's Tyler Bischoff from the Press Box coming up on the show tomorrow. The NFL season is here. Can the Raiders get a win in Denver? Keep that win streak going against the Broncos. 
And has anything else happened with Chandler Jones? Plus, Chiefs and Lions kicked off the season. Chiefs get a win. Travis Kelsey, did he play? Aces, they wrap up the regular season. They take on the Mercury twice to end the year, trying to get the one seed. All of that is coming up tomorrow on ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Early start on Thursday, the rest of the NFL season is just starting tonight. So every Thursday night, football tilt. We're out of here at 5 o'clock. We hand it off to the national feed. Adam Candy is in. I don't like him. Um, I don't like him when he figures out exactly what I'm saying without me saying it. I was just talking about uh, leadership speeches and what I liked in the past. So uh, he got it. He got it on the work capacity thing. Good for you, buddy. Good for you. We've done enough shows together. You can uh, basically read my mind. All right. So I'm seeing a lot of momentum on the Lions side of things in tonight's game. Uh, As uh, we know, Travis Kels is out for the game, or is he questionable? Hyperextended knee, according to Big Andy. He's questionable for tonight? What's the deal? Questionable for tonight. There was some initial concern about whether or not there had been any more significant injury, but heard it straight from Chiefs ownership actually earlier today that there's uh, you know, at least a possibility that he goes tonight. A lot more possibility than there is for Chris Jones, the defensive end, who the holdout will continue into tonight. So they will be without their by far best defender. Candy, you do any fa- uh, fantasy football? I've scaled back so much over the years. I-, I have one league left that I really still participate in. Okay. Are you sad for the Travis Kelsey owner who probably drafted him very, very high, and when you're questionable going into a game to open the season, what the hell do you do with your fantasy team? All right. Let's, let's have the therapy and who's, session. And who's your backup? All right, Cofield. Let's have the therapy session right here and now. How much did you spend in the auction league? Like $85? Oh, I didn't, no, I didn't get them. I, you know what's funny? In the, I'm, I'm only in one league, and I'm in with a bunch of Kansas City guys, including our buddy Petro, at WHB and KC, and he badmouthed Kelsey for the two days before the draft. He didn't draft him. He thinks there's a, a big drop-off coming, that he's he's kind of hit that cliff and that he's slowing down just enough that he'll be really good, but he won't be, you know, 75-catch, 1,400-yard, 14-touchdown Kelsey. So um, I bought into that a little bit. I also – it's an auction league. I don't go crazy over tight ends. So I thought I got some decent guys but I don't build my team around a tight end, so I don't need therapy. Well, I mean, that last statement is completely independent. Of <laughs> well, other, so, other uh, stuff, yeah, you know, other like, stuff, not for that's, fantasy football. That's a whole other issue that we'll ask the SO about on another yeah. show. But, hey, right. uh, you know, yeah, it, look, first of all, any fa- if you're going to depend that much on a tight end fantasy football, you really better have a reasonable backup. And it, even if it's just someone who you know can get you, what? five, six points, right? Like, just someone that is going to be able to help you out. Uh, but I, I don't love it. It's never been my strategy to go big at a position like that, and especially when you're coming into week one in a situation where you got the early game. I mean, if you don't have a backup here, you're screwed. And this is also a really weird scenario. So, come on, the Chris Jones thing, like it's a holdout, but they're not really mad at each other, and apparently he might be at the game, and he's going to be sitting upstairs. Like what is this? This is this feels uncomfortable. This is not the way the Raiders would do it. 
Yeah, it's a little too chummy for me. Yeah. I think that a holdout, like you, need, you need to go scorched earth. Yes. If you Where are the IG posts? Exactly. What a defensive lineman and no IG post? He's going to, what, get a wave tomorrow at the ring, at the ring ceremony? And there's Chris Jones in the booth. No, I need him to be like, I hate this organization. They need to pay me. They'll never see my face in Kansas City again. He was doing charity work the other day. No, it needs to be Chris Jones against the entire city of Kansas City. Candy, how do you win a negotiation if you're nice to each other? If you're nice to the boss, you got to be the mean one. So what you're saying is you don't think that Max Crosby is currently sitting in Chandler Jones' car in the Raiders parking lot? Oh, that's a good question. Hoping that everything works out. That's a really good question. No, it's a, different than Josh Jacobs, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, uh, I'm I just feel trying like to figure out like what I, exactly the situation is. I Maybe feel like it is. I feel like it is a little bit different, but I also feel like Max Jones publicly right. will be like, "None of my business." Uh, I think I'm good. Think I'm good here. Think I'm good here. Uh, no, you, listen. There aren't a lot of negotiations you win that way, and perhaps most importantly here, uh, if you're number one draft pick is a guy that you are not 100% sure is healthy enough to be ready for the start of the season. Getting into some sort of beef with the guy who is supposed to be the other defensive end feels a little bit, I don't know, inconvenient. Check out Thursday Night Football tonight with one of our uh, great stations, 97.1 The Pointer Sister Station, headed up by Steph McKenzie. She'll be out at Chicago Brewing Company on the west side on uh, Fort Apache near Sahara. Uh, Stop by there today. Always a great setting, and they really do it up during happy hour. Uh, she'll be out there from five to seven. You get chips and salsa, garlic knots for just six bucks, meatballs eight, ten uh, inch thin crust cheese pizza for ten bucks, and their uh, their house brews, the stuff that they actually brew up, are awesome. I'm a big fan of their uh, hefty two dollars off the Chicago Brewing House drafts. Again, it's Chicago Brewing Company. Thursday night football, Steph will be on the scene, and she'll have a sign-up for tickets to go check out the Raiders hosting the Patriots. Get out there on this Thursday night. Xavier Pope, lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor. He is live on Cofield & Company. All right, let's do it. A little earlier as we uh, go at 2 o'clock through football season on Thursdays, getting ready for Thursday night football, the Chiefs and the Lions. Xavier is in. What's up, buddy? What's up, buddy? Getting caught up on this Tez Walker decision in NCAA right now. Okay. How you doing? Well, tell us about it. What's going on? Uh, the NCAA has ruled a uh, North Carolina wide receiver, uh, Devon Tez Walker, ineligible for the 2023 season. Uh, and uh, Coach Mac Brown uh, pretty much ripped NCAA a new one. Um, ba- you know, basically saying that they've allowed players who've been playing eight years and um, on their fourth team, which he's which he's right about, it's not an exaggeration. Uh, uh, the ability to do what they do and his his receiver not play, um, sticking up for his player, um, basically saying, uh, plain and simple, the NCAA has failed Tez and his family, and I've lost all faith in its ability to lead and govern our sport. Yeah. Strong words from Brown. <laughs> well, I think they're trying to smash down on the uh, the transfers, and especially if they're multiple transfers and. There's really no rhyme or reason to the decision. They're just trying to set a standard here. But they don't, I, don't, I don't really believe they look at the uh, specificities of these cases. Yeah, you can think about Walker. I mean, to get close to his ill grandmother, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, regardless of what you say, whether you're telling the truth or not, you've got to take the young man in his work or to be closer to his ill grandmother. Uh, I think that's uh, – I think it's pretty much tragic. And it goes to show you, you see what uh, – 
it, you what, what is going on in terms of conference, your alignment teams are going here, they're going there. Um, and then NCAA is interested in itself. Are they interested in the actual players and the families and traveling back and forth? So I think this was another thing to question the, 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 this institution and what is it even there for in the year 2023. So what's going on with you? I saw that, uh, did you have one of your youngins go to school, yeah. go to DePaul? It was uh, pretty moving for you, huh? Yeah, man. I, you know, I'm still sitting here broken up over it, Steve. Uh, I had a tough time. I, my, my youngest daughter, Emery, she, she started classes yesterday, but she, we moved her in a dorm over the weekend. And, you know, I just, you know, we're, we're super close. Uh, and so uh, to have her go off to school, just, uh, you know, I didn't realize how hard it would hit me uh, not having her around. So we've, we've had some talks about ways we can keep that bond close. And uh, so, all the parents out there sending kids to college, you know, you, you, you put all your, 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 your marbles in for, your, for kids and hope for the best, but uh, it's, it's bittersweet. And yet still not the most impressive college debut that <laughs> we've seen this week. Nice. Is it Xavier? Oh, Beautiful. Wow. Okay. Your daughter's wow. important, wow. but she's no Shadur Sanders. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hey, give this give this man an award for that that segue. Uh, sure, Sanders uh, <laughs> throwing up over 500 yards in that game. You had uh, Travis Hunter coming up with the interception, uh, going for over 100 yards receiving, uh, uh, playing practically the whole game. I, I, I think that then Deion Sanders coming in, uh, big dogs in the game and coming out and winning, getting ranked. Uh, just a biggest flash we've seen in a, in one week. In, in college football in quite some time. Don't you think this is, this is big? Um, well, at least what it looked like for college sports. It is. And uh, the fact that it's Deion Sanders' son and there was so much bluster going in and there was so much doubt, um, you know, would this team be good enough? Is Shador Sanders really an FBS quarterback? Is he a Power 5 quarterback? He answered a lot of questions. And, you know, you go out there and throw for 510 yards and four touchdowns and then, you know, four guys get 100 yards receiving. It was it was an amazing deal, and you know the cool thing about it, and this is why I'm very pro transfer portal. And I, I know the old heads around college football they hate it unless it benefits them. Uh, the fact that Shador Sanders is now getting a NIL valuation north of you know two million, maybe over three million, he would have never gotten those opportunities at this level uh, playing for an HBCU. It's just reality. So good for him that he got to move to a Power Five. Yeah, absolutely. We got to consider what Deion Sanders said when he was at Jackson State, that he supported players getting NIL deals, and he wanted them to be able to take advantage of their college career to make as much money as possible. So seeing that here with, with Deion and, and with Shador. And I, I really want to see whether these valuations do truly line up in reality in terms of that valuation as well. Yeah, because yeah, we've seen north of $2 million with uh, some of the players at LSU. You know, They've got some big stars and in Angel Reese. Um, I want you to react to Dion's statement about what they're doing is going to make, uh, he said they, but them uncomfortable, and I want to see who you think they is. Fire this. We're going to continuously be questioned because we do things that have never been done. That's the way our life has presented themselves. We do things that have never been done, and that makes people uncomfortable. When you see a, a confident black man sitting up here talking his talk, walking his walk, coaching 75% African-Americans in the locker room, that's kind of threatening. Oh, they don't like that. But guess what? We're going to consistently do what we do. Oh, they don't like that. Who's they? I, he's talking about the establishment that keeps black coaches out of big-time college football programs. 
Um, that's also kept a big time professional programs, frankly, uh, and building institution and with all, a lot of the talent being African American players, uh, and then being able to, to, to lead them as men. I think that that's, that's generally threatening, not just in sports in the wider world at large, um, people that are brash and not just, hey, just shy confidence, um, hey, and be able to, to, to be big and speak big and walk big. I think that he does definitely have a point, and he's not just talking about sports, y'all. He's talking about the wider society. I saw you retweet a, a Jim Trotter story, um, sort of pointing to, hey, there's some flaws in the hiring process, and again, the hiring of Dion shines a light on that. Yeah, absolutely. Dion Sanders ha- had to walk his walk and talk his talk. Essentially, he had to go through a route to other, other, uh, other people like him um, don't have to go through. Um, and I, I think that he, he's showing why you should give people like Deion Sanders, an opportunity to, to coach and not have to fight their way through. But we always, we've always known this work hard, twice as hard, twice as long to be able to get the same results. And I think that as long as Deion Sanders, this is still one game. Let's, let's, I know it's a lot that of That too, yes. It's, 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 you know, I, it's one game. They, 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 they matched their win total of, of last year. That's great. But I think it's important to, to not hang – up and down about his coaching career just on every single game that Colorado plays. He still has to have time to be able to sort and create a system that was absolutely terrible before he got there. Xavier Pope is with us. Two o'clock hour. We start every day now on, uh, not every day, Thursdays and Mondays. We get out of the way for the national broadcast of the National Football League. So at 2.49 instead of next hour, Xavier is with us out of Chicago. Um, All right, completely different direction. Um, I saw the uh, latest sentencing for uh, some of these dudes on January 6th, uh, 22 years for the latest one. Um, quick question, is, is this federal prison? Can any of these people get out on good behavior and, and get limited time? Uh, I, what I understand, is these are federal crimes. Yeah. And, and so these guys are going to be in jail for a long time. Uh, <laughs> this is not walking out of jail after halftime and time served. And these guys are going to be in jail for a while. Okay. Um, and I think that it's, it's important to recognize that there have been hundreds of people that have been brought to justice of various degrees. And you're just seeing this ramp up over time. And um, it, it, it's wild that it, it, this is still leading on to an election. You still have higher officials that have to be able to meet justice as well. And I'm wondering the type of sentences you may see come out of uh, out of some of the state to, uh, state penalties, whether it's in Georgia, whether it's in, uh, in in a federal case as well with Jack Smith. So it's so much more left to do in terms of the bigger names as a part of this. Doubt if they get as much as 22 years, but the wranglings are still going to be important. They are going to be impactful for the 2024 election. You had a really fascinating. Uh, I guess it was a, an argument discussion. Uh, Oprah and The Rock gave $10 million bucks each to the relief effort in Maui, but there's also this side story of super wealthy people supposedly just trying to scoop up property in Maui. And then the other part of it is uh, both The Rock and Oprah said, hey, we're giving $10 million each. Can you help? You know, Will other people contribute? And then some people took that like, we're not contributing. They're billionaires. Why don't they take care of all of it? Yeah, some people just blame celebrities and people with money for all the problems in the world. Uh, I, I think it's 
at the and they, the one person criticized me and compared her to Mark Zuckerberg, uh, and I and my my position was her. How did Oprah get rich? I mean, she got rich by being a good person and interviewing people about interesting stories and then owning the content thereof. I, I, it, and she she survived. You know what happened to her? Uh, the sexual assault when she was a young girl and getting pregnant. Um, coming from traditionally not getting African Americans opportunities in the journalism world and was able to make a name for herself. I think it's ridiculous to criticize her or someone like The Rock as well who are seeking to help. Uh, and people will be Twitter fingers or X fingers, whatever they are, and then sit by and criticize other people with issues. I had a good friend that texted me after seeing that conversation and said, No one said anything about Larry Ellison uh, when he owns yeah. tons of. <laughs> so I'm like, Why are you criticizing Oprah and The Rock? Just saying. Yeah. Just saying, indeed, as we uh, talk about her background and her, her journalistic endeavors in the past, uh, we got more news this week, Xavier, of not only real sports with Brian Gumbel after a very long time uh, going away, but the end of the uh, the end of the broadcast run of Outside the Lines at ESPN as well. It, these things feel like the things that when they go away, we don't get them back. Listen. Those two programs, Outside the Lines and Real Sports, shape the type of coverage that I bring, um, and which you see here every Thursday, uh, being able to investigate the intersection between sports, politics, race, society, business, and what the real issues are outside the games that we watch. Uh, I, I really hope that we have institutions that replace them. Suit Up News has been, in my opinion, a new version of doing that. I want to be able to continue to do that. I think that we need to have outlets where these stories are being told. Otherwise, we're sitting around just looking at who wins, who who loses, without really understanding all the different mechanisms that are behind that. We need it. But I do think we might have a replacement. We need people who are unafraid, who are not tied to the athletes in the league. Uh, I know Damon and I love this show. It is what it is. Can we get a couple clips here? This playing everything on the motherfucking field. Yeah. Everything. But Dion is a top wide receiver of all time, though. But, no, he's a cornerback, Murder. I mean, he, come on, he played Murder. both sides of the field. Yeah, false, come false. on now, Murder. Hey, listen. Listen, now you... <clears throat> pardon me. You got me some water line real quick. Thank you so much. Let alone win a championship. Can we win the division? I spend money. Y'all say I don't spend money. Just, just throw it. I catch that. There you go. Pause. Hey, yo. Yeah, that's crazy. That was yo, crazy. You, Oh, that, that was, was, that was crazy. Boy. Just throw it. I'll catch it. Now he's drinking it. <laughs> there you go. Very Brian Gumbel-esque. I feel like the uh, the torch has been passed. Uh, Damon, I thought you swore off the show. You, I thought you hated this like two months ago. With, <laughs> led by Cameron. I mean, a man can change. Okay. He's, he's, he's turning the corner <laughs> for you. Is that right? I, I, you know what? I would just want to be entertained. There, there we go. Okay. Well, they're going to do that. Facts don't matter. Mace doesn't even know. He's like got it confused on why cornerback. <laughs> Facts don't matter. That's that what was they... the most Harlem show ever, by the way. <laughs> if you're from Harlem, that was the most Harlem sounding show ever. <laughs> he was so annoyed. He's like, come on, man. We're trying to do a real show here. You don't know a position <laughs> Dion plays? Wide receiver? <laughs> What are you doing? Are you actually watching it now, Damon? No, only the clips. Okay, yeah. The when clips it goes viral, that's when I watch it. Okay. All right. Well, that you know what? That, it's funny. We get into these uh, lengthy arguments on the show. Uh, I don't know if Candy's gotten into it with me, but uh, I actually am a fan of the clips and some of the good things that come out of uh, Skip's show and also Stephen A. now with Shannon Sharp. 
I also think it's a, it's a really it's a really good opportunity for former athletes who are talented and can do the embrace debate thing to get some opportunities. Listen, one of my favorite people now in broadcast is Nate Burleson. Um and I, I think that whether I think the athletes will find whatever route they can get based on their talent level to get in, whether it's debate, whether it's an analysis, and it, you know what what type of coaching they receive determines I think some of the path they they, they go. And I and I, I like for. Uh, for players to get that opportunity, I know that some traditional journalists say they take up some of the jobs from them. Um, but if, if guys are interested in, in having a second career instead of just playing golf all day, I think that's a great route for them. Uh, Nate Burleson's already outgrown the sports world, right? I mean, he still does some sports, yeah. but he's doing CBS Mornings. That's a massive gig. Yeah, massive gig. He has one of the best gigs in broadcasting right now. Uh, and he's really good at it, too. He's, you, you would never think that Nate Burleson was a guy who switched from where he is. I mean, that's how convincingly good he is at his job. He's not just, hey, this former athlete that's doing his job. And so I, I, I like to see pathways for more guys like that. You see what happened with Michael Strahan. Um, he he came coming through broadcasting as well. And so uh, that, that's just, they're connected to the game. They're connected to being asked questions all the time. Being under, why wouldn't you be someone who's being asked questions all the time, reading stories about you, you not learn how to dispense that and learn a little bit more about that and make that a crafty own. It just makes sense to me. Xavier, awesome spot. Have a good weekend. Love you, buddy. Love you, too. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, never try to engage with someone and try to big-time them, Candy, if you don't know who they are. I remember about four years ago on whatever the NFL morning show was called, Nate Burleson's on there, and D'Angelo Williams comes on as a guest, the uh, running back who was with the Steelers and the Panthers before that. And D'Angelo Williams starts arguing with Nate Burleson and basically was like, who are you? Where'd you play? And Nate Burleson's like, I played in Nevada. And, I want, and Nate Burleson was really nice about it. But I wanted to be like, you played in Memphis. Dial it down. Like, I played the game too. We both played pro football. Chill.